It started out yesterday as a normal, low-key serving of an animal cruelty warrant in Washington, D.C. Then it grew serious as gunfire opened up at 7.30 a.m. Three police officers shot and injured. Thankfully, they're expected to recover. Capital City neighborhood was out of control yesterday, and a standoff ensued. Police managed to get through by phone, but for hours, people were told to stay put. Two nearby schools put on lockdown for fear of stray bullets hitting children. Schools dismissed early and children being hustled away by swarms of officers as bullets kept firing from the home where the cruelty warrant had been served. All of this as a result of a person and probably too many dogs being kept in unsanitary conditions. I love my dog, but a reaction like this? The problem shows not one, but all of us going astray. A reminder, love the Lord, love your neighbors before yourself. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Thursday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus And all week, we've been in a series called The Glory of Marriage. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Okay, some of you listening right now are smiling, I hope, like I am ear to ear, because you know exactly what that's from. Others may be thinking, we've lost our minds. Well, it's from a dramatic yet comedic scene from the 1987 movie that Janet and I have watched more than once, The Princess Bride. David Wolin, our new president and host. I know that movie is from your generation. You remember that scene? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Charles, I was tempted to plead the fifth, but um, yes, I do. I'm also grinning ear to ear. That's a genuinely funny scene, but... You know, what's not funny is that for a lot of people today, that's about how they see marriage. Uh, Silly, archaic, unnecessary, and yet God made us for marriage, not just here on earth, but for an eternal marriage. That's why marriage resonates so deeply within us, no matter how modern we might think we've become. And in this broken world, there is still something deep inside us that longs for that kind of love. And those longings God has placed within us for fulfillment. In our earthly marriages, yes, but only partially. There's a greater marriage we were created for. And coming up, we're going to think about the unique roles God has given husbands and wives in marriage, and how both are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Challenging, yet clarifying words for a Christian marriage. And if you're single or divorced, or maybe not even a Christian, you're going to see once again how the picture of marriage points us to Christ and his precious bride, his church. And so after the program, we're eager to send you Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel by Ray Ortland. This timely resource we've been talking about all week is yours for your gift to the ministry and will deeply encourage your walk with Christ. This is about the marriage for which God created us, why he created marriage in the first place, and all of it points to our eternal future in Christ. So after the program, come visit us online. Please make a gift to the ministry, but ask for this book, Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel. Just go to haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. 
And if you'd like to read some of the book, we have a sample chapter that you can download there on our website. Or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now, let's open Haven Today with a song by Carrie Joe. The only thing I want in life is to be known for love in Christ, to build His church to love His bride, and make His name known far and wide. This is Haven Today. I'm David Wolin here with my good friend Charles Morris. And that was Carrie Job with The Cause of Christ and an album called The Garden. And Charles, I'm excited to continue our theme on marriage this week and explore a very familiar passage. So why don't you get us started? I'd love to. And for everyone listening who is married, let me ask you a question. Did you have premarital counseling? I did way back in the day as Janet and I were preparing to get married. And having those important conversations before marriage is vital. Life's never going to be easy when you're married and obviously when you're not married. And for us, adopted children, biological children, even a miscarriage. But as in any relationship as Christians, you keep coming back to the Lord together. You seek his wise counsel above your own. Let me just call it what it is, together, growing in grace together in Christ. 
And in marriage, we need to look at the New Testament's most famous passage on marriage. You know the one I'm talking about, Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 21. Up to this point, Paul was unpacking rich truths of the gospel, how we're all saved by grace alone and not by works. And before we get to the part about marriage, the first few verses of chapter 5 are helpful. He writes, follow God's example as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We need to walk in the way of love, following the example of our Lord. Now that sounds great, doesn't it? But it's sometimes the best things that are the hardest things to do. Sometimes, and I'm speaking as a man, we want to start with verse 22. And we forget about Paul starting with verse 21. He's talking about the mystery of marriage. And that's where he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Both husbands and wives submit. And then after that, verse 22, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Now, for some listening right now, it may feel like the elephant in the room. Did Paul really mean submission? To some people, it might sound negative in our 21st century context. And yet, this command by Paul is actually very, very special. Listen again, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul starts there for a reason. He discusses the husband and wife dynamic in the home. He wants to be clear, though, as to who is the ultimate authority, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then when Paul tells wives to submit themselves to their husbands, they should do so as a form of devotion to the Lord Jesus, and only insofar as they are obeying the Lord. Too often, men believe that this call to submit means that they get their way no matter what. God said so, they like to think. Well, sadly, I haven't been immune to this. I recall one occasion years ago, early in my marriage, ideas were being tossed around for some people we knew in our church that were in great need. My wife, Janet, made a great suggestion. It was a good suggestion. In fact, a brilliant one, as is her custom. But I was furious. In an act of complete selfishness, I berated her and her idea in front of others at church. Why did I do this out of my sinful heart? Because she didn't consult me first. That was a misuse, even an abuse, of the role God gave me as Janet's husband. Well, later I calmed down and I had to repent before Janet and the Lord for the way I treated her. It was completely unloving. And you know, I don't think I'm the only one. There are husbands like me who are listening right now who have manipulated Paul's call for wives to submit to husbands for their own gain, their own pride. And that's sinful in the eyes of the Lord. And I'm sure there are wives who have not wanted to follow their husband's lead, even though these men have tried to lead in a humble and godly manner. Husbands and wives alike struggle with submission. And that's a reality of the fall. The Lord 
told Eve that there would be tension in our marriages because of her and Adam's sin. And what should be a relationship of pure bliss will have significant challenges. But there is some good news here because we have a Redeemer. And this Redeemer can even save our marriages, can it, David Woolen? Well, if our Creator, who made us from dust, can save our souls, atone for all our sin, and unite us to Himself for eternity, surely, yes, He can save our marriages here on earth. He understands the depth of our relationship, troubles, and trials, and brokenness far better than we do. If we think Jesus doesn't really understand the difficulty of human marriage since in his earthly life he was unmarried, we can think again. He's the eternal son. He's the one who said, before Abraham was, I am. The Lord is the one who called a people to himself in a marital covenant, knowing he would be betrayed, knowing he would come and redeem them. Ezekiel 16, the Lord is speaking here to Israel saying, I will deal with you as you deserve. Because you have despised my oath by breaking my covenant, yet I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. And then it's at the Last Supper. Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see, marital language is not simply figurative or metaphorical. This is love at the greatest cost. And I love how Ray Ortland puts it. And the unseen is the glorious goodness and love of God in Christ for his bride, the unworthy and the undeserving. And he's right there. He's just unseen. He's not even far away. (laughs) And we are here in the scene. And by faith, just believing the Bible, believing the gospel, we can then have our eyes opened to the dramatic love of God. Single people are married forever. Married people are the metaphor for the real marriage. We have all been swept away into this glorious unseen reality, which the seen helps us to imagine and perceive and savor and appreciate and cherish and revere. That's why people get married, to help us see that reality. I hope what you just heard takes your breath away, the great love of Christ, the great cost of that love. You know, I think as believers, we tend to underappreciate the depth of our own betrayal in this marital covenant. And in keeping with that, we underappreciate the magnitude of the cross of Christ, the incalculable measure of his redemption, and we struggle to believe it. So when Paul says, love your wives, He goes immediately into what for him and for us as Christians is actually the far bigger reality to grasp, that a husband's love should be just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, does that mean husbands are the ones who make their wives holy? No, that's what the Lord does. This is a call for husbands to likewise lay aside their own personal interests in self-sacrificing love. 
and not merely at the cost of personal inconvenience. This is a complete denial of self. Now, can any husband in any human marriage do that fully? I know I haven't. But not being able to hit the bullseye perfectly doesn't mean you should move the target. Marriages get better, a lot better, when a husband lays down his own life before Christ and in the interest of his wife's good, seeking her good above his own. And when a wife finds herself unable to resist taking that role of leadership from her husband, a home and a marriage without a Christ-honoring heart of submission, that can also become a painful way of life. It can become a self-fulfilling prophecy in a marriage. My husband won't lead. One of us has to step up. Well, regardless of which of those came first, a husband can intuit that he'd better stay quiet. It's just better that way if he wants peace at home. That's just a for example of how it might work. It can show up in all kinds of ways, but that blade cuts both ways and wounds a marriage that would otherwise flourish. But here's the bigger point. Self-sacrificing love is Christ's call for both spouses. That's what you pointed out earlier, Charles. You know, in my own experience, just serving in leadership and giving shepherding care in my church, I've walked alongside couples over the years dealing with extraordinary pain in their marriages, sometimes even trauma or abuse. These are betrayals of the worst kind. And especially for a wife who's been abused or traumatized, sometimes they can hear pastors talking like I've been over the last couple of minutes and think, well, that means every Christian marriage should be saved at all costs, no matter what, in every situation. And so from that experience, I just want to be careful to state something here. That's not what I'm saying. Marriage at any cost is taking it further than Jesus did. There are biblical reasons for separation and divorce. I've learned through that pastoral experience that these situations are usually more nuanced than they might look at first. And anyone giving care needs to listen well, listen compassionately. They need to speak tenderly, prayerfully, carefully, and not jump to conclusions or give a spiritual band-aid fix when someone's broken heart is bleeding out. And maybe there's someone listening right now who's in that position, in your marriage. And you're not just hurting, you're feeling your brokenness, you're in trouble. Well, my advice would be to immediately seek help, reach out to your church. Don't be afraid to speak to a biblical counselor who can help you navigate through pain that's so deep, a fog so dense, you can't see your way through. But Christ can save marriages. And for a marriage to be saved more often than not, Charles, it's both a husband and wife who need to come to the end of themselves and turn to Christ in repentance. In their own strength, they won't be able to do it. But a broken marriage can be healed through repentance and forgiveness, and Christ is the one who comes alongside us and enables us to do that. And when it happens, a broken marriage healed, it's a lot like a wedding. You get to see the gospel on display. I've seen it. There's hope. There can be healing. And we find that ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I think we all have uh, an anxious fear within. God despises me. He can barely stand me. Um, And you know, he ought to. It would be wrong for God not to despise me. Look at me. I'm a mess. But then, realizing what the Bible is actually saying, for our souls, if that note said, my heart has become settled and calmed 
reassured, I realize now that the all-holy God above, through Christ, has given me his heart. So that when Romans 8 says, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, that's not just saying I'm fixed in some cosmic inevitability, but I am held, I am embraced. He's put his hand on my hand, gently and kindly, never to let go. You see me through a lens of perfect love And no mistake could change your mind You see my brokenness, there's no disguise But there is mercy in your eyes Timely lyrics. You see me through a lens of perfect love and no mistake could change your mind. Ren Collective, unconditional. You're in a haven today. The program's called The Glory of Marriage. 
Well, Charles, we've only scratched the surface here. There's a great depth in the mystery of the gospel revealed in the Bible through this lens of marriage. There's much more for our souls here, and that's why we're offering this week Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel. And this is our way of saying thank you for our listeners supporting the ministry of Haven with a gift. And this is so timely, especially at a time when marriage is maligned in our culture or even redefined. There's a clarity that God's Word brings that can ground and help us see our convictions about marriage in a greater light and grounding our hearts as well in the safety and the confidence of Christ's great love for his people, for us, his bride. And that's the message that we're praying every listener is hearing this week to these programs. For anyone whose heart is crying out to God, maybe quietly, maybe secretly, but longing to know for certain that they're accepted in Christ. Well, at just over 100 pages, Dr. Ray Ortland's book is not a difficult read, but it comes through with the heart of Christ, this remarkable little book. And so we'd love to send you your copy as our thanks for your gift today. And don't forget, you're only able to hear this program today because friends like you responded with the gift to support Haven. And that's what we're asking you to do now. Your gift will keep programs like this one on the airwaves across North America. So would you go to haventoday.org? That's haventoday.org. Or call us. We'd love to talk with you, and you can make your gift over the phone at 800-654-2836. That's 800-654-2836. Or, just to make it easier, 865-HAVEN. It's been a great series this week, and we have another day to come tomorrow. But for now, I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolden. Thanks for joining us. Come back again tomorrow, won't you? But again, together, we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. You don't have to have a full-blown identity crisis to feel a little lost in life. Most people do from time to time. And when these moments come, it's an opportunity to take a step forward in your walk with Jesus When you're asking questions like, who am I and where am I headed? You'll find the best answer, not by looking in the mirror, but by looking to Jesus. And the reason for that is that as a Christian, your identity is bound together with Jesus. Consider these words from Colossians. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when you're feeling lost, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Try out Anchor Devotional today. Visit getanchor.com.